0: in preparation for today's message we shall be reading from the book of john chapter 4 verses 1 to 10. again that is the book of john chapter 4 verses 1 to 10. now when jesus learned that the pharisees had heard that jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than john although jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples he left judea give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water.
1: The title
0: of today's sermon is Living
1: Water, from John chapter 4, verses 1 to 10. And I do encourage for those of us joining us for the first time to visit or revisit our previous sermons because we are practicing chronological preaching or exposition of the scripture. We believe scripture should not be interpreted separate from its context because you will derive in hundreds and thousands of meanings. And the argument of it depends on your interpretation is the one that will prevail. However, if you study it in its context, you realize that there are possibly one, only one possibility of the intent of the author. And that's why we struggle and wrestle to study. And we evaluate and review every sermon preached here as we study the context. The Pharisees learned that Jesus was baptizing and creating more disciples than John the Baptist. However, the writer clarified that Jesus' disciples baptized others and not him. They appeared, meaning the Pharisees, appeared to be interested in this information and may have been worried about the public's increasing interest in Jesus and his teachings. It's also possible that they were concerned about Jesus because they saw him as a potential danger to their religious authority. Jesus chose to have, to leave Judea and go to Galilee to avoid potential conflict with the Pharisees. Now this choice was made out of prudence and wisdom. Jesus was aware that his mission was far from complete and that it was still premature for him to openly confront the Pharisees. He will confront them, but now, during that time, it was not yet time. He had to do something else. Let's read that, verses 1 to 3 of chapter 4. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. He left Judea and departed again for Galilee. First point was Jacob's well. It's a place and it's a well. The Lord passed through Samaria, which was hostile to the Jews. He rested by Jacob's well, he felt tired from the long journey, which probably took several days on foot, some 55 or even 60 plus kilometers on foot. So that could be walking to 60. How far is 60? That's quite far. It was a few days walk. Moreover, the scorching sun, Was at its peak. Let's read verses four to six, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth. Hour. The sixth hour is 12 noon. It's 12 noon. The Lord designed it. He had a purpose. He chose to travel through Samaria, even though he could go around Samaria, which most of the Jews would do. From Judea to Galilee, they would go around Samaria. And the main reason was Samaria, the place, and the people were not friendly to the Jews. They have a historical clash. Not necessarily clash as in they always fight each other. But the Jews look down on the Samaritans. And that happens. Now, we Filipinos don't experience it that much right now. But if Spain did not come, we would have grown into tribes, and those tribes would have grown into kingdoms and different nations, and we will have border issues with each other. As the other parts of the world who have borders, land borders, but since Philippines is an island nation, it is a problem sometimes down south, but not big of a problem. But for them, it was a major issue, not because of the border, and I'll explain why later. Now, God, the the Lord has a purpose why He went through Samaria. Well, it was a divine appointment. I love calling stuff divine appointment because it simply it was set by God. On purpose because he chose to because he is a God of plan and purpose and uh, at times we did not know what's going to happen and sometimes we would say this seems to be a divine appointment there are times we need something and we've been praying for something and the Lord allows us to meet people to give us the opportunity but the devil also does that okay makes you meet people to bring you down. So we have to be prayerful who we meet, not everyone we meet is blessed by the Lord, or or sometimes we were allowed to meet so that He can test us in the sense that that's why we should always pray, do not bring us to the test. But if the test comes, we must pray that we would choose wisely. Let's talk about the woman from Samaria. First element, Jacob's well, Sychar. It is rich in historical meaning or events, but now is not the time to discuss it with you. We will have several discussions on this chapter, and we will highlight some of the historical stuff that happened uh, in this place. But the one thing we know, as revealed in the text, The place was given by whom? By Jacob to one of his sons. And so it is significant. And to understand who Jacob is, I encourage you to read the whole of Genesis. And then we will have an appreciation of the life of this patriarch to Israel. Let's read verses 7 to 9. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Verse 8, For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Now when the woman from Samaria went to the well, Again, what happened? The Lord asked for a drink. He was tired from the long journey. And the epistles support, if you're thinking he got tired, yes, he got tired. And you, this is supported even by Paul in his writing to the Philippians that he, it's called in theological terms the kenosis, where he being God, Humbled himself for the purpose of the sacrifice of the Lamb of God, for the purpose of living a life without sin, so he can be worthy to die for us. He became man and experienced the difficulties of man, even though positionally he was still God. Yet we know he put that authority within his control. When Peter tried to defend him, he said, he said, hey, I can command agents right now, but because he has the authority, but he did not because he had to be man. Even though he was God, he had to experience what we experience, getting tired, getting sleepy, getting hungry, and being tempted while we're hungry. Remember, after the 40-day fast, the devil came to tempt him. And he was tempted like us, it says in the book of Hebrews, like us. Yet he did not sin. So here proves that what? That he was indeed man as well. So what does scripture tell us? He is 100% God, as John said, yet he voluntarily limited himself um, as a man for a time being since he was born until he died and he died and then when he resurrected God gave him all things. What was the purpose to show that by God's grace we have no excuse? Kasi tao din siya. And word does not leave us in Christ he gives us the Holy Spirit Although, our wretched, we being wretched sinners, we cannot be perfect, yet we know the power that the Spirit gives us, how we have overcome many things in our past, how we have overcome many things. We overcame what? Delusion, depression. We have overcome obsession by God's race. We have overcome self-pity. We have overcome lust and adultery. And we've heard stories of that, yet some of us are still in the process Yet I'd like to say to you, by the power of the Spirit and the Word of God, we can be free. Going back here, he got tired. I mean, these days we don't do these things right, 60-kilometer walks. When was your last 60-kilometer walk? Did we ever? I tried that once because I was inspired by my classmate who tried it once. But he didn't really try it because he wanted to. Because we were studying in Ateneo, the Manila high school people then. Then he kept, he got so hungry after playing basketball and he ate a lot. And then he realized he had no more money for Jeepney going back to his house. So he told me the next day, you know what? After we played, I was so hungry, and I ate and ate and ate. And I walked back. I got home. And he was so proud in saying, I learned one thing. God gave us feet. Let's use them. And I said, I learned another thing. Watch your money. But then I heard about it. I went to visit somebody in his area, another classmate. And then I said I wonder how he felt walking from Batasan all the way back to Aurora Boulevard. You've been there think check it Google Maps. I don't know how long it was but I tried it. I survived and I realized many people can survive this. But then then that was a normal thing to do. You want to go with me? <laughs> it's not as fast as we do it now. Side comment, the world did improve. Along with its well detrimental effects, which we need to counter, but that's not the sermon today. So Jews and Samaritans don't like talking to each other. Now, why? It's important to note that the Samaritans descended from Israelites who intermarried with Assyrians. And it was in, their, in the old covenant that the Lord wanted to preserve the race. Because through the Jews, the Israelites, what? From this nation the Messiah would be born. And He tried. They tried, I mean. The Jewish people tried that. Once in a while they'll be tempted, intermarried. They would come back And again and again, why did the Lord not want them to intermarry from long ago? Because of the influence of idolatry. However, there were also many Samaritans who did not fall into idolatry and wanted to worship the true God. Now, even though the Jews were still antagonistic to this race, and some of them did not want to intermarry. They were forced to, through what? Invasion. Invasion. And that is why some of us here look like Espanol. You know why? Because your grandfather's grandfather? Or when was that? There was some Spanish blood there, that's why when you look at Filipinos, it's just not one color. It's just like choose from dark brown to light brown, okay? You'll see that. Now, there was prejudice because there were two different people groups. And since they, the Jews had animosity against the Samaritans, so the Samaritans couldn't go to the temple, it's difficult for them to go to the temple and worship there so they would worship in these significant areas like the place in Bethel where Jacob had the dream. And third, Jesus spoke about the gift of God. The Lord Jesus spoke of the gift of God and who He was. The one who gives living water and the woman knew She would have asked for the living water if she knew who he was. And those who drink this living water will quench man's eternal thirst. And we're talking about eternal. Verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, And he would have given you living water. First she was surprised, how come you're talking to me? And Jesus' response was, if you knew who's asking you for water, you would have asked him for the gift of God, the living water. Now, some of you were wondering in John chapter 3, unless somebody is born of water and spirit, they cannot enter. The kingdom of God. Well, there were many perspectives there. One perspective is baptism, which I don't agree. It's nowhere near the text and uh, in other parts it was clear that baptism doesn't save you or doesn't make you born of the Spirit. One perspective there in John 3 was Ezekiel 36 about the water that God gives but another close part in interpreting it, and remember, the way we interpret Scripture is as much as possible within the context. Within, If it's about John, it's within the Gospel of John that we find explanation. We stay there before we go to other verses in other books. Do not jump immediately. So here, what do we see? Jesus is referring to Himself as the living water. Now, let's look at the perspective of the writer. What was the perspective of the writer? John. John was saying what? Hey, this person, Christ, there's another way I'd like to introduce you to him. It's about living water. He is the living water. Now, he has many titles from the past. The Word of God. The One Who Gives Us Light the Lamb of God, Messiah, Son of God, Son of Man, the one who descended and ascended from heaven. Now John, the beloved, the writer of the Gospel of John shows us he is living water. What is the implication? And he says that it's about Water is about what? Thirst. We need it to survive. And it's common knowledge then and it's common knowledge now that you can survive longer if you have water versus just food and without water. We can't relate to this because we live here. Especially here in Naga City, which rains during the summer. When I started going back here many years ago, visiting, I tried to say, I want to go somewhere so it doesn't rain. Whenever I come here, there's a drizzle. There's something, and sometimes like, In April, there was rain. We understand the rain from May, but April and March, well, times have changed. But even then, long time ago, we can't relate to being that thirsty. But try living in the desert. Try living in the desert. Try living in a place where if you leave your laptop in your car, the screen gets melted. And Jesus saying, I am the living water. What does it say? Every soul of man needs him. Now, if you have no water, how desperate would you be? Oh, I'm thirsty. Oh, give me something to drink. For some of us, after we sweat a little, like walking one kilometer, we need a drink. And it's got to be cold. We just... Just one kilometer. Now the soul, we don't feel it. Because we don't feel it if the soul is dead. The dead doesn't thirst. The dead is dead. That's why our dead souls need the life that comes from Christ. And when your soul is alive, you get thirsty. And where are we satisfied? In Christ and in His word. The gift of God, the living water. The message of Christ is for all people. This is another thing we should learn here. It's not only for the Jew, but also for the Samaritans. And as we study the book of Acts, it's also for the Gentiles. It's not for the Jewish people. Now, this is a main theme in Scripture. And for all of us believers, we have a problem sometimes. Sociologists call it ethnocentrism. Ethnocentrism, the feeling that our ethnic group is superior, or if not superior, we view the world in the lens of our ethnic group. It's how we were raised. It's the influences of our local society. So even when it comes to evangelism and discipleship, even though there are more churches here in Naga City than gasoline stations, We still prefer evangelizing here. How do we break this ethnocentrism? It is to make a decision to say we have to reach out beyond. And that's when we have to cross the culture. And crossing the culture doesn't always mean geographic. Because all peoples are coming to cities. So some would say, we need to do missions there because there's not enough gospel proclamation there. Others would say, no, there's still many non-Christians here. That one part of that is being ethnocentric. And there's nothing wrong with reaching our own. We should reach our own. But we cannot neglect what? The areas where Jesus is not proclaimed that much. Where he is under-proclaimed. Or with zero proclamation and there are areas in the world where there are zero proclamations and how can we support that by prayer by giving by sending by partnering now here is in the book of John the first instance where Jesus crossed the culture from the Jew to the half Jew and later on it would be to the Gentiles as well now look at Jesus the gospel must reach what now let's look at the grand plan John it is believed the writer of the gospel of John is also the writer of 1st John 2nd John and 3rd John and the writer of Revelations Now, what did John write in Revelations in this vision of the last days? He saw in a vision, you'll find it in chapter 5 and chapter 7, where people from every tongue, what does that mean? Every language, every tribe and nation. It meant from Jesus going to the Samaritans, the half-Jews, going to the Gentiles. And there are many Gentiles. What's a Gentile? Non-Jew. That's it. Simple as that. That's a Gentile in those terms. which includes us, but the work isn't done yet. Right now, there's still many parts in the world, parts in China and India. Don't be fooled. China, the one people group there has 100 million Christians. You don't go there, or if you go there, you partner with them to reach the other 1,000 tribes inside China that has not heard the gospel of Christ. The same with India. There are parts there that there are many believers, strong believers, but they have to reach out some parts of the northern part where that's where they kill and torture and persecute believers. The job is not done, but the gift of God, the living water, is what? It's for all nations. And please do not think that we should not be part of that because we think we're too small. I disagree with you. We must build a church community so we can survive here. And beyond survival, we have to stretch somewhere and then expand a little bit. Or even within here, to start a commission, a team to reach out to others from different people groups. Application, enter new territory by His grace Let us find ways to spread the gospel, especially in new territories. New territories might be new locations or new circles of influence. We tend to focus on our group, but we must go beyond. Our security is our friends in church, and that's a wonderful security. Please maintain that. Find ways to sustain that, your growth group and your other friends. As long as Christ is the center and we're not gossiping and we're not slandering and we're not pursuing carnal things, if we're pursuing holy things according to the word, we need each other because it's hard to survive as a Christian alone. The temptations are too strong. So, what do we need? We need a community where we can be accountable. A community where we can say pray for me I'm encountering a difficulty and I'm being tempted stop me please we need that sometimes we regret the times that nobody stopped us from doing something really foolish and stupid and you wish you had a community now you have one let's strengthen our connections with one another As the Bible says, let's not giving up on meeting one another. Even though sometimes it's again and again, what? We thank God, we pray for one another. Just that consistency is very, I should say, effective in a spiritual manner. Thanking God is scriptural. Now you thank God in front of others. I thank God for this for the last week. And please pray for me. You praise God, then you express your need, the humility to say, pray for me. It keeps the heart in check. And then, of course, we discuss the text, the scripture, and hopefully we keep growing in the analysis of scripture in its context. But how do we penetrate new territories, preserve that, but don't just preserve your community, our community as GCF Naga or the churches that you may belong to. Preserve that, strengthen that, grow that, yet we have to keep thinking how do we go beyond this circle and bless another circle, probably a location or another group of people. We have to think, we have to pray. Now we must engage people, introduce ourselves, try to connect, then reconnect. Well, you connect hi, find a way. To be like children again, what do I mean by that? Not childish, but children seem to be the best model of making friends. Observe the children, how quickly they make friends. They see somebody playing, they ask about the toy, and their are friends. Gee, while adults, we watch one another carefully. Then partly we are shy, but part- partly we're so insecure. Will Am I intruding if I say hi? Well, if you're not creepy, you'll be welcomed. <laughs> if you're a gentleman or you're a lady, that does a, you, you, we should connect with others and say hi and quickly connect. We have to break out of this societal subculture of being awkward in speaking with people. Of course, some of us like our peace and quiet, and we don't want anybody talking with us, but for the sake of the gospel, friend, for the sake of the gospel, if you ride a jeepney and somebody starts a conversation with you, try to respond back. Of course, you have to assess, is this guy or this lady legit? (laughs) Or they want to hold me up or what? We don't know. Still, you have to be careful yet. Building that connection. Even in church, when we say, that's why we say just wave. Because if you just have to wave with your seatmate high, you don't even do it. Maybe you should become really thirsty and really hungry, so you will lose all shame in saying, give me food. I don't know. We have to connect reconnect when somebody smiles you can smile back hello but don't feel too bad if they didn't see you because some have deep problems they're deep thinkers and they didn't actually see you now don't feel bad don't say there's a problem with your eyelashes or your eyebrows no that's not the issue the issue is what well they just didn't see you and find another time to just be friendly we connect we reconnect hello that wasn't too hard right can you say hello to your seatmate you don't know and just nod hello quietly somebody you don't know no you know everybody We have to engage, re-engage, so by God's grace, we may have an opportunity to proclaim the gospel. Break barriers, number two, due to the animosity, Jews and Samaritans did not speak to each other. But the Lord Jesus broke the barrier by asking for water when he was thirsty. Therefore, we must speak with others even if we find socialization complicated. Please, socialize with real people present within the same geographical location. Some prefer socializing through their phones. Right? So, if you have this addiction to your phone, don't, it's, it's not the same speech of try to leave it for a while. No, no, no. I'm encouraging you to use it. So, if you have this deep problem, of of, uh, phone anxiety. I don't know if that's a social disorder. One of these days, one social scientist will name it. Phone disorder. Okay. It's not the phone that has the disorder. It's the human who has the disorder. Uh, Why, if they don't have the phone, they're anxious. They're anxious. And you know how anxious they are? They're fidgety. And they can't sleep. So here's one thing you can do, hi. And after you say hi, you just ask for their what? Their handle. Just ask, okay, what's your name? In you in Facebook? Okay, I'll talk to you. Then you sit in front of each other and text one another. (laughs) The world is becoming more problematic in the social scene. And then what do they do? They're more connected with somebody far away and then they try to meet and that a lot of times it's a disappointment. But may may I encourage you, do learn to break barriers. Socialization can be complicated, but you can decode it. Everybody can decode it, right? Everybody can decode it. Now, I don't like small talk since I was a kid. My friend says I had a social problem. In fact, he was praying with me. May I pray for you, Brother Ed? And this friend of mine said, Lord, heal him of his social problem. (laughs) (laughs) And he had to make me realize that I had a social problem. Now, some of us have a social problem in terms of, of being an introvert but there's also another kind of social problem it's being the extrovert they always say the wrong things and they think it's okay because it's okay for them maybe it's okay for this no what's okay for you is not always okay for everybody else and then you're wondering what did I do uh, gee you've done a lot Now, some of us have become this introvert, and then we try to decode it. We swing, we go to pendulum to the other side, and we become an extrovert with no manners. And then we find somewhere the right combination, and then we become what? Well, socially acceptable. When I say socially acceptable, I'm not saying be a social climber. That's a different thing. I mean socialize, connect with others so we can connect with the gospel of Christ. We must remove all bias or prejudice against people not like us. You know the problem with us? We don't like people not like us. But there's also a problem with meeting somebody exactly like you or near you somehow. That's a weird thing in psychology. First of all, if they're too different from you, you're like, you know what their practice was? It's weird. you know know what? I met these Presbyterians. And they baptize water using a pitcher. It's weird. Of course, the Presbyterians would say these Baptists always look to dunk their people. If you find it weird, no, you're also weird on their perspective. All right? Now, when you enter a home, do you leave your shoes or do you bring it in? It's a mix in Philippine society. It's a mix. So you have to watch who lives there. What do they do? And if they have extra slippers outside, it's a clear sign. Where are the slippers? Or you say, you just do it. Because in some parts, there's another way to look at it. Look at how clean the floor is. Right now if it's really clean, don't put anything dirty there. And, and just that school of thought is so different. Because from, from the Spanish, the Europeans, we were taught don't put anything clean on the floor because the floor is dirty. Now you meet some Japanese and some Koreans here in the Philippines, you see their very nice floor. And they still have the worldview of what the floor is clean. Don't put anything dirty on it. And it's a different way of thinking. It's a different way of thinking. But because they're not like us, sometimes we have this prejudice of how people should be. That's why it's good to make the Word of God as the standard, not ourselves. We do what is accepted culturally, yet if it does not contradict Scripture, but if it contradicts Scripture, then what? We follow Scripture, not what culture says. But what if they're really different? We have to engage to proclaim the gospel. Now, how do we change ourselves? We believe in the Lord Jesus and his example. He met the Samaritans. Now, his example is something he expected all his disciples to follow because he commanded them to spread the gospel to all ethne, all nations. Third, speak of the living water. Let us share share with the world who Christ is. In the text we studied, He is the living water. Therefore, let us tell people about the living water, the Lamb of God, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Word of God, and the one who came from above. And we should never forget to proclaim the essential parts of the gospel, which are what? The suffering and death and resurrection of Christ. Persuading others to believe and obey. Remember, obedience does not save you. But true faith leads to obedience. So the emphasis is on the faith in Him. The one that surrenders, that believes, that follows. Then if you truly believe with all your heart, you will obey. We must warn all that if they do not, the condemnation remains. The wrath of God remains. But if they genuinely believe, they have eternal life. Living waters is about eternal life. It's about having that assurance that if you die now, you know for sure that the Lord Jesus will welcome you. It's not like what we were taught. That's not what Scripture says about point system. If you do more good in the world, you, maybe you'll enter heaven. No, the obedience you show is just a sign that you belong to the family. Why do you obey your family members? Why do you obey your parents? Because you belong to that family. How come others don't have to obey your parents? Because they don't belong to that family. You obey not because you're trying a point system. Heaven is not a point system. Just do good and keep doing good and you'll enter. And you know what? Scripture tells us what what heaven calls that. Filthy rags. Your good works are filthy. The need for Christ. Faith in Him. And what is faith? It is not just a set of beliefs. Beliefs It's knowing who He is. Embracing who He is. Believing in what He did on the cross and His resurrection and understanding and believing the significance of it. Once you get there then I can say that perhaps the grace of God is with you. We need the living water. Our good works won't work. It's Him we need. You see, if it's all about just good works and the point system, more works to cover up for your sin, then why would Christ have to die? It's nonsense. We needed Him to come. He had to come. It was His design to come to be what? The Lamb of God, the sacrificial lamb. In the Old Testament, they sacrificed animals, innocent animals, who had nothing to do with the sin of the one sacrificing. That was a divine law in the Old Testament. And that is the law that was applied, that there must be somebody who had no sin, who had nothing to do with our sin, but can take that sin as our substitute. And all his suffering was because of our sin. But why did he rise again from the dead? The consequence of sin is death. That's why he died. He took our sins. But because he did not have any personal sin. Not one. So death had no power over Christ. So that's why he resurrected and death could do nothing about it. Because he was perfect. And now, he opens the door for us all. I'd like to share to you a piece of poetry entitled, Living Water. Water nourishes our bodies, cleanses us from impurities. A relief from the scorching heat, without it life is incomplete. There is water for our souls, it's the kind that can make us whole and cleanses all impurities, also heals spiritual disease. If only she knew who he was, as well as water, that surpassed the power of water on earth. This type of water gives rebirth. Lord Jesus, give us this water, the one called living water. Our souls will never thirst again. On you alone we shall depend. Let us all rise and let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for the living water. You went through Samaria for this woman. That was divine appointment. She would know in person the living water. Thank you for Calling us and meeting us today or in the past and make us realize that we need you not as a religion, not as a formal religion, but you as a person, the Word of God that became flesh, the living water, O oh Lord, we thirst for that living water. Our souls need that living water. And we know by believing in who you are, by trusting in what you've done through your suffering and death because of our sin and the power of your resurrection, we believe, Lord. We believe. And for those of us having a hard time, teach us to believe lead us to believe. We want you. More than anything else, we want you. More than life itself, we want you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for allowing us to drink from this water. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, Fellowship of his spirit be with you all. God's people
0: say, Good morning.